Welcome to B2B Tech Founders Lounge podcast. I'm Ludmila, founder and CEO of Rampic, a B2B digital marketing agency. We help tech founders get the most of their marketing effort and promote their stories to our audience. We believe that every tech founder has a unique story and their business needs attention. Stick around till the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can become our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Hello and welcome to B2B Tech Founders Lounge, uh, the podcast and the space where tech founders and leaders share their unconventional visions and uh, stories. Today I'm here with the Christian Espinosa, uh, an entrepreneur, a book author, an adventurer, and the Blue Gold Cyber uh, founder and CEO as well. Christian, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Um, Christian, like you have a variety of roles, right? And to give you a mm -hmm. proper introduction, I'd probably have to add uh, a veteran, um, again, an, <laughs> an adventurer. So how does it feel to combine this whole uh, like titles and roles that you have? I, I used to like wonder <clears throat> about it and think I was kind of like in the military. Uh, I went to the Air Force Academy and they, we, we had to study all these topics and that we would say we're so well-rounded we had no point so i like to think about it that way initially but then i realized there's a common thread through everything i do my adventures my books my speaking my company and that's really about leadership and helping transform people including myself and get the best out of my team and helping them achieve their objectives so that's really like the common thing among amongst all of it even though it seems like it's very diverse there's a lot of commonality there. Um, and out of those uh, commonalities <clears throat> that you found, um, like Air Force brought you to cyberspace, uh, kind of, but what brought you to uh, the entrepreneurship path? I <clears throat> I grew up in a chaotic environment, uh, like with a super poor uh, in a trailer in Arkansas with a, a drug addicted mother, and I. It was so chaotic that the only thing I wanted was stability and safety uh, if I could find it. So I found that by applying myself and getting accepted to the Air Force Academy and going to the military. But what I realized later on is that I didn't really value that. I remember driving to work one day and I there was the exit on the highway. I just felt like driving by the exit and starting my life over. So the thing I wanted, that stability and safety, or at least I thought I wanted, I really didn't want, but it was lacking. So I sought that. And then when I finally was able to kind of figure out that I like to have, take risk, uh, I'm attracted to things with a waiver. That means like, you know, you have to sign a waiver that says you could die or your arm could be cut off or something that that's really me. And it took me a long time to kind of let go of that stable comfort zone of the nine to five job and all those things and fully embrace and step into entrepreneurship. Cause I had to really kind of undo a lot of things that I had, thought were valuable to me and important, but they really weren't because my soul was aching for a long time to do something different, but I was afraid to take the step. And when you're talking about undoing things, can you give <clears throat> us like a few examples? What exactly did you have to undo? I had to do a lot of reflection on my life because, you know, I think, I think it's important to be grateful. And I had a, a decent commercial job after I got the military, for instance, I, I was making a lot of money. I was a VP in a company. Uh, I had the house, the, you know, the car, the mortgage payment. I had all the things that people 
dream about, the American dream. And I'm thinking, why am I not grateful for this? What is like going on with, within me? And fortunately at that company, you know, things always uh, look different in hindsight. Fortunately at that commercial company where I was a VP, I started having a lot of friction with my CEO and it became so much that I like physically felt sick at, at night. It was a distress. And I, and I thought, I don't want to, even though I have all these things I should be grateful for, this is not feeling or sitting right with me. So I decided to quit that company without any job lined up. And I'd never done that before. Cause like I said, I only sought safety and stability and quitting a company with nothing lined up is like going against the grain of like what I thought I wanted to do with safety and stability. But that was like a blessing in disguise because I decided to do freelance work. I did that for five years. I did, um, ethical hacking and I taught cybersecurity classes. And then I got bored with that and decided, <clears throat> what else can I do to grow and contribute to society? And that's when I started my first cybersecurity company. Wow, that's that's quite a journey. This is quite a journey. Um, and uh, by starting that company, what, like, how did, uh, how did it feel? Because uh, my audience, uh, they're like also like the tech founders, and uh, some of them have multiple businesses. Some of them are just starting. Uh, it's been always interesting for me to know a little bit more. Uh, like, how 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 was your first year? How did it go? It went horrible. <laughs> um, I uh, <clears throat> I didn't. There's a big there's a big leap from freelance work or solopreneur work to hiring a team, establishing payroll and, and all the other things that go along with trying to scale a business. And I didn't really know what I was doing. I, I have a tendency to, to to step right into something and just try to figure it out. <clears throat> and with my first business, I kind of had this mindset like everybody needs cybersecurity. So if I build this business, the clients will just show up. But it doesn't work like that way. No client showed up. It's not like the field of dreams where you know people just show up magically. So it took me a while to realize I need to have a sales process. I need to have a marketing process. I need to get my messaging ironed out. I need to like narrow down my niche because initially I thought, as we all hear, everybody needs cybersecurity. <clears throat> so I was trying to sell to everybody. But when you try to sell to everybody, you end up selling to nobody because your message is so watered down, it doesn't resonate with anybody. So when I niched it down, to like medical device security, which is what we really focused on, I was able to really dial in the pain points, the customer journey, what that specific uh, industry needed, and dial in our messaging and our marketing and really attract a lot more business, which is counterintuitive because often founders think, if I say no to all these other opportunities, then I'm gonna lose revenue, which is what I thought. But when I said no to all this other stuff, and said yes and went all in like hell yes to specific niche uh that that really helped fuel the growth of my company and helped solve a lot of the problems i was having oh niching down uh is difficult and uh mm -hmm. you've picked the very specific and very interesting niche about healthcare cybersecurity. can you tell me a little bit more about like how mm -hmm. what was driving your decisions and how exactly you ended up in in the niche so I happened, there's a couple things. One was in 2015, uh, right when the FDA started mandating cybersecurity for medical devices. Um, I got a contract, my company did doing that. And when that contract was over, I thought, 
you know, this is a very unique skill set that we have, we're fortunate to develop. And this is something that's going to continue to grow because there's an average of 14 medical devices connected to a patient bed in a hospital. So I, I thought I, I decided to focus on that niche because we'd already had some experience and developed the skill set. And the other thing about it, for me, like if someone steals your credit card information, it's like, who cares, right? But if somebody hacks into a drug infusion pump and increases the flow rate of morphine and kills somebody, it's it's much more tangible and much more severe. And I know we have a lot of advances in healthcare, and I would hate for those advances to be rolled backwards because the medical devices are being compromised. And I also think of it from the perspective if I have a, a loved one in the hospital and somebody, you know, either intentionally or something non-directed attacks one of their devices and ends up killing them or giving them a misdiagnosis, you know, that that's not going to be good. That's much more, the risk is much greater with medical devices than it is with like somebody stealing your health information or your credit card information. So to me, it's much more visceral and tangible. And I want to help uh, where I can to make sure we have advances in healthcare. This is, wow. Yeah, I never thought about the amount of uh, the number of devices connected to a hospital bed. Fourteen, my God. Um, <laughs> and uh, I I know that like tech companies um, they are they are different. Uh, some 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 companies focus on um, hardware, some on software. It looks like you're like you're in between, and um, this requires like a broader range of skills for probably you and your team. So how do you keep up? Uh, how do you build uh, the skills that, that are needed to like be successful in this niche? Well, one thing is I try to keep the same team. <laughs> I've already invested in the team and they've already developed the skills. Uh, fortunately, with my first company, uh, Alpine Security that I, I sold in 2020, I, with my new company now, Blue Goat Cyber, I was able to bring the same team over. So I, I haven't lost that investment with my team. And I think, you know, it's pretty humbling as a leader to think that your team will follow you to another organization or they'll, they still want to support you. And I, I think that, you know, if I reflect on it, I think it attests to my leadership skills. Because, um, you know, a lot of people, once they leave a company, they don't want to look back. Or once they, they have a bad running with a the boss, they don't ever want to go back. Unfortunately, I've been able to develop a team and that trust and that loyalty and that work working integrity together that they want to still work with me. Uh, this is awesome. I had a, I had a similar experience uh, when uh, we partnered with my uh, like business partner and uh, everyone, but every everybody but one person followed me. I know how it feels and like yeah. that level of trust. Uh, that level of trust, of trust is tremendous. So yeah, it's I'm I'm so happy to hear that you had a very good experience uh, with your team here. That's that that's that's extremely important. Um, Christian, can you like tell us a little bit more about your author and publishing experience? My uh, author and publishing experience about your books. Yeah. Yeah. How, how, uh, how, how come how come you started writing and publishing and publishing books? <laughs> I always had this idea that I would write a book. And in 2019, I went to this event. It was a genius network event. It's actually here in, in Phoenix area where I am now. And it was a, a, an event for entrepreneurs that their companies were making over a million dollars minimum. And they had a couple of different tiers there. But what I noticed at that event was almost everybody I talked to had written a book. So I started thinking, 
Because I used to th always think I'm not really part of a crowd. I'm separate from the crowd. I'm not good enough to be in this group, blah, 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 blah. And I kind of thought the same thing with this group. I thought these people are so much better than me. They're higher achievers. But then I thought, well, I'm in the group. You know, why can't I write a book too? So I I talked to some people that, that helped me with my personal brand uh, at that uh, my website, christianespinoza.com, and, and kind of like what I was about. I got some clarity on that. And then I went ahead and decided to write a book. I started thinking, well, what do I have to write a book about? And one of the things that I struggled with in my company was my staff were super highly rationally intelligent, like a high IQ, uh, but they didn't have a lot of people skills. And I realized that 99% of my problems were because my staff lacked people skills, not because they lacked technical skills. So I thought if I can infuse some people skills into my team that is already highly super technically competent, then that would help separate my company from anyone else and help my team grow. And I, what worked is what I ended up writing the book about because I, I realized when I started digging into this that this is a problem in cybersecurity. We have a lot of super brilliant people and we kind of just tolerate that it's okay that they talk down to people, make people feel stupid. We just like tolerate it. And I'm a believer that you get what you tolerate. So it's an effort for me to capture what I did that worked and try to shift my industry as well. Uh, that's, that's, that's amazing because you are right. In, the, in tech space, uh, usually the hard skills win uh, over soft skills in so many mm -hmm. companies and in so many teams. That's a great motivation to write a book. Uh, and what would you recommend reading? Like I know that you have a, that you have several books uh, under your name, but uh, what would be uh, what would be the, what would be the best one to read? Well, I just released the second book, The In Between Life and the Micro, on uh, last week, so it's only been out about a week. I, Congratulations. I think, yeah, thank you. Um, that book is more of a sort of focused memoir about where I got things wrong and where I got them right, about living intentionally in the present and trying to balance that with an eye on the future as well. Uh, so I think that's a good book if you're looking for maybe a change in perspective or you're feeling unfulfilled in life or if you're feeling irritated or you don't have any peace or you always feel on an edge. My first book, The Smartest Person in the Room, is really a book about developing those people skills. I have a seven-step framework or methodology uh, that if you don't know where to start, because I think one of the challenges, a lot of tech people, like it's very nebulous, like what is people skills and how do we develop that and like where do I start? So I try to distill it down to seven overarching steps with some exercises to give you a framework of what to walk through and they're in a specific order. Uh, so if you're struggling with people skills, you want to improve them, I, I think my first book uh, is a good book to, to look at as well. It's more of a how-to book, whereas my second book is more of a just my personal journey and hopefully people can learn from that. Perfect, both have very interesting angles. Uh, so to everybody who's listening, um, 
christianespinoza.com that's the website of christian and uh the best way to uh, connect with christian like uh, is to follow him on linkedin so feel free to go to www.christianespinoza.com or connect with christian on linkedin this is uh, i hope like you'll benefit from that connection because uh the uh, christian's experience is uh amazing and the twist in terms of uh the entrepreneurship stories uh it can be a book of, of its own, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Christian, one probably last question. Uh, can you share a quick story of a client rescue, if you have one? A client rescue? Yeah. Yeah, this is a story I wrote about in my first book, and it actually changed my life. Um, that The first medical device company we got, that contract I mentioned, uh, I sent one of my best engineers to the initial meeting before we got the contract. They're still trying to make the decision. And he uh, always wants to be smarter than everybody. That's how he feels significant. He wants to be the smartest person in the room, which is why I titled my book that way. So he has a tendency to talk down to people to make them feel stupid because it makes him feel you know, superior, intellectually superior. Um, and he blew the interview. He uh, cussed in the interview when people asked him questions. He uh, talked over people, made them feel uh, stupid. And I got a call from one of the people in that meeting and they said, we're not gonna give you the contract uh, unless you can come up with a solution to fix this. So I decided to go in and I said, well, give me a chance to come in and see if you know I can talk to your team if we're a good fit. So I went in and did the damage control uh, and we ended up getting the contract, but there was some stipulations, they said, we will give you the contract, but only if this other guy that the custom from him, only if we never see him again. So I ended up, I was the owner of the business, but I ended up doing the work myself. And I had to drive to this physical location about an hour every day. Um, and I had other things to do. I was running the business, but this is an important contract for me. And I was an important niche, as I mentioned, I want to get into. But one of the things that shifted my life is when I drove every day, in traffic to this facility, I listened to books on tape or Audible, really. And I listened to Carol Dweck's book uh, about mindset. And that sort of shifted my whole perspective. And I realized that guy that I, I, I sent to the company had a fixed mindset and he wasn't going to change. And I, I write about mindset in my, my book, but that was like a pivotal moment that got me thinking about things differently. You know, even though it seemed like a weird situation. It, it came out with some benefits because of all the things I listened to when I was driving back and forth, you know, an hour each way in traffic. Wow. Uh, thanks for sharing, Christian. I really appreciate it. And um, I do a lot of uh, listening and uh, actually reading when, when I'm on an elliptical machine, probably yeah. the same stuff. <laughs> But uh, when you have some uh, time on your hands, I guess that's the best way to invest it in yourself, in interaction. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Christian Espinosa, uh, the founder uh, of the Blue Gold Cyber, an entrepreneur, a book author, the adventurer, veteran, and uh, the entrepreneur that everyone who is listening would love to follow on, on LinkedIn. But guys, uh, www.christianespinoza.com. Please visit Christian's website. Please take a look at his books. That's a lot of, a lot of wisdom here, and it comes from the deep uh, experience, both entrepreneurship and personal. Christian, thank you so much for being such a wonderful guest and for sharing all the stories. We all appreciate you. My audience will love you.
Thank you. <laughs> I hope so. Thank you for having me on. Ludmilla here. Thanks so much for listening to B2B Tech Founders Lounge podcast. If you are a B2B Tech founder who would like to be on the show, visit podcast.rampic.agency. If you've got something from this interview that you would like to share, please go ahead and post a link to this episode on social media. Just grab a link, send it to a friend. If you know someone who will be a great guest on the show, tag them in your post to let them know about the show and include our podcast name, which is B2B Tech Founders Lounge, in your post. I love seeing your post and guest suggestions. We are adding new episodes frequently, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast. This means a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Visit us at Rampic Agency website or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.